5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And on today's Punch Out, we're talking about mass evictions in the United States, mass evacuations in Vietnam, and an uprising against police terror in Philadelphia. But before we get to all of that, of course, still a lot of news about Amy Coney Barrett, the new Supreme Court justice. So just a reminder, listen to yesterday, that's Monday's Punch Out, where we talked about just this issue and how she's taken the side of the cops and prison guards in a number of cases that could be very relevant in the next Supreme Court terms. That's yesterday's punch out. Definitely check that out. Also want to say, as we mentioned at the top, we are talking about the police uprising in Philadelphia. It's going to be the third story here today. There is some audio from the shooting incident. So just wanted to give a warning to anyone who may not want to hear that, that the third story will have that in uh, the beginning, some audio from this brutal murder by Philadelphia police yesterday. But... Before we get into all of that, we will start with our first story here. And that is the sound of organizers and tenants in Kansas City that you're hearing right now. This is an action that happened just a couple weeks ago. People were chaining the doors of eviction courts there in Kansas City and protesting against the mass eviction crisis that is certainly facing Kansas City, but is really facing the entire country. And there were similar actions and have been similar actions in in many different places around the country. That's the Kansas City Tenants Union. You're listening to them chain the doors of the eviction court there in Kansas City. Now, of course, this is a huge issue that is facing the United States right now. Mass evictions, perhaps in the tens of millions in the middle of winter. I mean, not just not only are there going to be tens of billions of evictions, but in the middle of winter, the Wall Street Journal estimated today that anywhere from 30 to 40 million people, 30 to 40 million people could be facing eviction once the national and local eviction moratoriums expire, could be as late as January, but perhaps even sooner. Now, looking at it another way, the journal also quotes a recent study from Moody's to Wall Street analytical firm, and they noted that without any additional help coming from anywhere, renters could cumulatively owe as much as $70 billion in back rent by the end of this year, and that they estimate that 12.8 million people will owe an average of $5,400 in back rent. And, you know, maybe this is relevant, but just in the middle of last year, you might remember the thing that said the average person couldn't find $400 in an emergency. Now you've got $5,400 in back rent for 10 of millions of people. And as not just the Wall Street Journal, many people have noted that without some sort of, you know, bailout for landlords here, there's just about zero chance, maybe lower than zero percent chance that landlords are going to forgive any of these back payments, which means that millions of people, tens of millions of people are going to be faced with the choice of trying to find a way to pay their rent and their utilities as balanced against food, against childcare, against healthcare, against anything that costs money. That's not a financial 
financial hit. It's not an economic challenge. That's an absolute catastrophe. That's essentially your money or your life, or quite frankly, your money and your life at the same time, because you could pay for one thing and then have something else critical taken away. You keep a roof over your head or keep food in your refrigerator or your children's stomach. You may not actually be able to do both. And that's 30 to 40 million people who could be in that situation by January of 2021. So that's right around the corner. And of course, this is obvious to many people who are already falling behind. Now, the Philadelphia Reserve actually looked at some of this, uh, did some research on some of the individuals to find out how people are coping. And they found that credit payments to small and medium-sized businesses that are basically rental companies and all the different companies they have around them, that credit payments to them increased by more than 70% in the spring. That's 50% higher than the same time last year. So in layman's terms, that means there's 70% more people this year that are paying their rent on a credit card. Now, that's not just a, a, a one thing, the issue that they have to use a credit card, but that that has a big major knock on effect for anyone doing this. One, you use up your credit line. A lot of people keep credit cards for for emergencies, medical emergencies, things like that. Well, if those emergencies that you had kept it for happen now, that's probably out because you're paying your rent. And here's the real just un... I don't even, is it unbelievable? I don't know. This is capitalist America uh, where housing is a privilege, not a right, but it's outrageous. I'll say that much at least that, of course, if you do this with your credit card, it tanks your credit score, which means that if you get evicted anyway or you want to move, it then becomes harder to rent another apartment or a house or whatever you're renting. So at the end of the day, the very act of using a credit card to keep up with your rent now is actually sending you even deeper down the dark hole of indebtedness that you'll have trouble digging out of in the future. So it's a double-edged sword and you're being cut by both sides. But there is another side to this story and that's the side you heard at the top of this segment is that people are not just taking this lying down. Philadelphia, Kansas City, and New Orleans have seen people physically shut down eviction courts, preventing evictions from happening. In Oakland and in Los Angeles, movements have forced governments to open up empty homes and put homeless families in them. In New York City, where I'm speaking to you right now, there are literally dozens of rent strikes going on in every borough in the city. But there it is, the richest country in the history of countries, yet even having a roof over your head is considered a privilege, not a right. Unfortunately for the big landlords and their vulture eviction lawyers, resistance is already sweeping the country. A massive typhoon with winds that could gust to almost 100 miles per hour is slated to hit the country of Vietnam tomorrow. Now, Vietnam is conducting an evacuation of 1.3 million people to try to limit the human damage as much as possible. Now, it's worth stopping right there and considering. Do you ever really remember a U.S. government moving millions of people to avoid a hurricane? No, you don't. Because in fact, what you definitely remember are the stories of how everyone must evacuate, but that essentially you're on your own, so many people don't evacuate, and we end up with massive humanitarian catastrophes anytime there's a major hurricane anywhere in the United States. The Prime Minister of Vietnam called for a whole-of-government response, certainly a big contrast from the United States where they just say, hey, you better leave. Anyway, the Prime Minister of Vietnam called for a whole-of-government response, saying that if necessary, the army should bring 
out their tanks, put people on the tanks and drive them out of the danger zone. Use every single possible thing that they have at their disposal, they being the government of Vietnam, to get people out of the danger zone. Now, you might be surprised to hear this in such a capitalist country like the United States where socialism is allegedly so evil, but this is actually relatively par for the course for socialist countries. Cuba, for instance, routinely, sometimes more than once in a hurricane season, moves millions of people to try to make sure that no one dies. Just imagine the mentality. Huge hurricane coming. Could kill thousands of people. We're going to do everything possible to make sure that no one dies. Cuba, they're doing it. Vietnam, they're doing it. America, not doing it. And of course, this goes along with what Vietnam has done as it concerns COVID-19. Only 35 deaths, only 1,100 odd cases, and what has to be not one of the most impressive, but already one of the most widely praised efforts on earth to contain the virus. I would say almost certainly the most successful or second most successful. It's right up there with China. I mean, it's unbelievable what they've done there in Vietnam. So just to recap here, in socialist Vietnam, they're trying to save you from pandemics and typhoons. In capitalist America, officials are just shrugging their shoulders and watching people die. And that sound you just heard was the brutal murder of Walter Wallace, 27-year-old black male killed yesterday by the police in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The police claim that Wallace had a knife, but, you know, what difference that makes isn't exactly clear when you see the video itself. Wallace seems seems very upset. He's he's walking around in the street, kind of stalking around almost. And yes, it's true. You can see him coming towards police officers, but it's it's not really clear that he's trying to attack them. And not only that, they're more heavily armed. And obviously, you got, I mean, you almost have to watch the video. They're clearly able to maneuver around him. I mean, the idea that they were, you know, in some sort of mortal threat is just absurd when you see the video. One neighbor told reporters that he was yelling at police from his porch, drop your gun, drop your gun, saying that people in the neighborhood knew him. They knew he would drop the knife. Don't shoot him. I mean, all these things that, I mean, they could see what was going on. They know, uh, uh, they knew Walter Wallace. They knew that this was absurd, that he should not be killed. Nevertheless, that was completely ignored. Uh, Wallace's father has said that he struggled with mental health issues. Uh, among other things. And it certainly makes sense that community members' response is heavily predicated on the fact that they recognized him, recognized what was going on, and certainly recognized that whatever was happening, that a death sentence, that a death sentence, that's what this really is, was not in any way, shape, or form justified. And you know, at the end of the day, he allegedly had a knife, but they had guns. You don't bring a knife to a gunfight, as they say. So realistically, there was, I mean, was there nothing else they could have done? They're super heavily armed, allegedly, you know, trained well or whatever it may be in a situation where it's clear you don't have to kill someone and they do it anyway. We could go on and on talking about this all the time, but it gets so exhausting litigating these situations where the police, just no matter what happens, no matter what happens, the police are always given the benefit of the doubt and community members who are shot down, murdered in the street in cold blood, given death sentences 
given death sentences, whether these police who are judge, jury, and executioner litigating that, it's just, it's frustrating. There's never any sort of parody here. It's that the cops must have been right, and this person must have been done something wrong, and if you don't recognize that, somehow you're a bad person or whatever it may be. But that's certainly my take on it, and certainly Wallace's friends and neighbors didn't seem to really want or need to litigate it either, and as the evening wore on, tensions rose between the community and the police. Events took on something of the character of an uprising, Eric Ayala, who's an organizer with the Philadelphia Liberation Center, was there in Philadelphia last night out on the streets with the people, and he told us the following about the scene there last night. The police were completely overwhelmed by people coming out into the streets uh, after the killing, and, you know, you can't just say that this was, that people were using this as an opportunity to, to engage in looting. A lot of the things that people were saying, that residents were saying, talked about how this is related to SARS in Nigeria, how this is a pandemic of police brutality, how this needs to stop, how the community can't keep hurting like this. And I think that's like one thing that we need to take away, that everyone is tired of this and that people are going to rebel in many ways. And if the police are being overwhelmed, then that's their own fault. Now, protests are being organized in Philadelphia, including today. In fact, not that long after you hear this, there's going to be at least one protest that we've heard of here at Breakthrough News. Philadelphia, for those who have been paying attention, was the site of some of the largest demonstrations, including one of about 100,000 people, maybe a little bit more than that, some of the largest demonstrations against police terror over the summer. And I have to say, seeing what happened last night and what's planned today, it doesn't seem like the willingness of communities to come together and come out against the brutal police violence is stopping at all. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh.